ready? Ready. Hi, I'm Leo Finelli, and you're listening to Generation Change. This month, I'm talking with Isabel Hope. She's a writer, musician, and activist from Alabama. She is the founder of Meddling Kids Movement, an international nonprofit dedicated to amplifying the voices of youth activists around the world. Isabel also works as a journalist with her college newspaper and writes scripts for fun. She is passionate about environmentalism, LGBTQ rights, disability rights, and freedom of the press, among many other things. She identifies as queer and is proudly autistic. Isabel and I talk about her work with voter mobilization, her encounters with sexism, and our feelings about ourselves as people with autism. This interview was recorded in November 2020. Isabel, it's been so long. It's been so long. How are you? I'm doing fine. Great. I'm, I'm doing well too. It's glad to, I'm so glad to speak with you. Listen, when I saw that Medium article and when you opened up about how you also had autism, that just made me like you a whole lot more than I already do. Thank you. I'm so glad you liked it. Okay, so let's get down to the questions we're going to hear from you. First, what is Meddling Kids Movement? And tell me, why did you start it? Right. So I started Meddling Kids Movement because at that point, I started it in October of 2018. And at that point, I had seen a lot of young people being driven to activism. Um, yeah, after, after the 2016 election, I really saw like a huge wave of young people being more involved in their democracy, being more involved in their communities. And I just felt like I really wanted a space on the internet where you could just see that and like an entire space dedicated to that because it really had inspired me at that point to use my own voice. So I thought it could inspire other people as well. So this year you stepped down as the executive director of MKM. Why did you make that decision? Right. Um, so meddling kids movement, just to like quickly touch on what we do overall, and I can answer your question, is um, meddling kids movement is an international youth led organization that basically just wants to highlight the voices of young people who are doing activism work in their communities. So this relates to why I stepped down, but we, you know, we were doing tons of full time work myself and a team of over 30 high school students and we were interviewing kids um, all over the world every single day posting interviews on our website all the time and I did it for a very long time like full time on top of school on top of everything else I was a senior in high school at the time and um, I think why I decided to step down in January is because I was really really struggling with my mental health this was um this was kind of a few months before I was able to finally get my mental health back on track, but it was, it was really tough to deal with at first. And I was in a pretty negative mental space. And I think a lot of that was because I was 
putting so much into activism, I kind of lost everything else. So I just decided, you know, to, to try and put my mental health first. And I just stepped down and Shana Rutman took over, who's an incredible youth activist and doing- I've, sp- I've spoken to Shana. Yeah, she's doing a great job. She's so amazing. And we have an amazing team and it's still going and it's, it's doing great. And I just, I'm, I help them with whatever they need and it's been awesome. You've done a lot of feminist women's rights activism. When people hear talk of women's rights being denied, they usually think about stuff like Me Too or Roe v. Wade. But what are some more subtle and implicit forms of sexism that we should watch out for? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I think when I think about the like subtle sexism that I have to encounter in my daily life, the biggest thing that I've seen recently is just, I think a very subtle form of sexism is when we deny women and young women in particular, the right to be angry or to feel sad or to have a full spectrum of their emotions because sometimes it would be considered um, unladylike. I think a form of sexism that I encounter is when women and young women are not allowed to have their full spectrum of emotions because maybe that makes people uncomfortable, like things like anger and sadness and things that everyone experiences that are kind of stigmatized for women. So I think that's one just small form of sexism, but overall I think it would be a lot better if more young women were encouraged to be opinionated and to you know, express how they feel, however it is, even if it makes people uncomfortable. Could you elaborate on your experience of voting in the 2020 election? Yeah, I loved voting in the 2020 election. Um, things really worked out in, in our favor, in my favor, at least, <laughs> um, in the 2020 election. I, I had a great time. Um, so I decided to vote in person on election day as opposed to voting early, because I don't know, I just felt like it was something I wanted to do for a while. And we vote, my mom and I voted at a very small, like rural community center and church far away from any major activity. So I wasn't super worried about the pandemic. And I, I got there and I wore my mask and social distanced. And it, the whole process took like 10 minutes. Um, we had to wait in a very small line and then we were able to go in. And I mean, it was really fun. It felt a little bit like an anticlimactic because, you know, you do so much work organizing and activism and then the actual um, act of participating in your democracy is just like filling in something on a ballot and putting it in a machine, <laughs> but it was- I think if people would be asked how simple it was, more people would be willing to do it. Oh yeah, it was so simple. That's why I'm so trying to encourage so many young people to get out and vote because like when you can't, like if you can vote, it's so important. And it's so, it was so easy for me at least to be able to do it. And I mean, it was, it was in and out. And then I just got to work with some of the communities I was working with organizing for the election and, and help them, you know, get to their polling places and help give people resources. And it was great. You were diagnosed with autism this year. I have autism too. How has your life and your view of yourself changed since you found out you had autism? Yeah. So I was, I was diagnosed with autism this year, which was you know, all of those mental health problems I had told you about that I was having at the beginning of the year in January when I stepped down, that those kind of, they didn't go away when I got my diagnosis, but a lot of things made sense to me when I got my diagnosis. And it's like, I found it a lot easier to um, handle things and just to exist in the world when I got my diagnosis, because when you ask how did it change my view of myself or affected at all, I would just think like, when I first got diagnosed, I went through a lot of different emotions and processing because I'm, I'm 18 and I have been undiagnosed my whole life <laughs> until now, until I was 18. So it's like, it's a lot of having to go back and process and think and a lot of mood swings. But um, overall, since then, I felt a lot more empowered since getting an autism diagnosis because um, it's like everything about me, everything that makes me who I am, the good and the bad things 
is all goes back to autism. And I'm so like grateful that I know that now. And it also makes me feel so much more capable and so much more um, just like in tune with myself to know that it's the only way I could really describe it. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think the experience of being a female with autism differs from the experience of being a male with autism? Yeah, I think there's a couple things with this. Um, first, the first thing I would say that just popped into my head is that I think that men with autism, like most things, because we kind of live in a patriarchal society, um, men with autism have kind of always been researched, always been diagnosed. They've always been at least portrayed, you know, whether or not they're portrayed accurately, they've always been portrayed in some form of media somewhere. And women have not always been researched and have not, their experiences with autism have not always been validated, especially when you look back at like history and how women weren't even considered able to have autism when it was first being researched and stuff. So I think that like how that um, plays out now is, is really interesting because you see men with autism having so much kind of, I don't think they have enough representation, especially men of color who have autism, but um, there is some representation and definitely more research and women haven't really gotten that the same way. And I think that just for me personally, being a female with autism, um, there's things I have to look out for. I have to think about that maybe men don't, you know, sexual assault, sexual harassment, just overall gender inequity um, that's mixed in with being a disabled person um, and having to experience gender inequity. So stuff like that maybe makes it a little bit different. What are some misconceptions about autism that you'd like to debunk? Yeah, um, there are probably two big ones that I would say now. The first one, and this is the one that keeps coming back since I've gotten my diagnosis that I just kind of keep running into, is this idea, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I just it's just what, I've, <laughs> what I thought of. It's just this idea that autism is like this, this bad thing or something that needs to be fought or something that needs to be changed or, or like cured, or I don't, I don't know, like you see some of these narratives of like, you know, beat autism, fight autism. And, and I, I understand need for more research on autism and how some people who maybe have um, higher support needs than I do could, could use more um, resources on that. But I don't, I don't like this misconception that autism is, a, is an inherently bad thing. And that it is kind of, like something that we need to get rid of on the same level as like a disease or something, because it really is not. And even people who struggle with it, I think, you know, there's a part of autism that makes everybody who has it kind of who they are, um, myself, especially like I see that for me, like if I was to somehow not have autism, I would be a completely different human being. <laughs> and um, probably I wouldn't recognize that person at all. And so that's the first thing. And the other thing is I just, I wish that, there could stop being this idea, especially in TV shows and movies, that there's one like look of someone who has autism and one personality trait. And it's normally, it's normally a guy and it's normally like very kind of awkward and quirky. And it's, it's, it's something that a lot Sheldon. Of, yeah. Like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. It's something a lot of people actually experience. So I'm not saying that's not real. I just wish there could be more than one representation of people with autism. I think maybe if that happened, we could have people stop saying like, you don't look like you have autism, which is super offensive. <laughs> and I get that. I get like why people say that because it's so stereotyped and stigmatized. So those are just the two main misconceptions that I think of. How do you feel that people with autism are stigmatized in society? And what do you think we need to do to abolish the stigma surrounding people with autism? I think representation would really be helpful, especially for autistic girls and autistic women. I can think of like 
maybe one or two shows that I've seen that even mention or have an autistic female character in them. And that's just important because it would be um, a chance to kind of widen the perspective of neurotypical people who watch that as well as autistic people who could see themselves represented in that. Because I thought I had autism a couple years ago, actually, and I'm, I'm 18 now. I thought I had it when I was like 16, 17. And I, you know, I, because I had only seen until that point young white ma male representation of autism and it always looked a certain way I just thought like oh I don't have that like I'm not I don't have that and then <laughs> it turns out I do and so um I think better representation and less stereotyping would be really helpful I also think like you know the unemployment rate for autistic people is very high and you can directly link that to the stigma in people's brains about what it means to be autistic and what it means to have autistic people um in your employ in your employment environment and like why it's so important to hire autistic people and just anyone with a disability is because it, it not only does it increase representation but like I bring something so unique to every team I work on every group I work on because I'm autistic it's not it's not a hindrance it's, it's an asset you're so right you know Greta Thunberg has autism I, I do know that yeah we'll be right back want to say like I love your medium writing thank you so heartfelt and so brave thanks I appreciate that a couple more questions for you before we go totally how do you plan on continuing your activism in the future I plan on well first of all I was organizing for this election and I loved it so I plan on continuing to organize for you know democratic candidates for women for disabled people I think there's a way to make, and this is completely, yeah, without party or anything, but I do think there's a way to make, you know, love and hope and all of these it, things that people so desperately want to fight for um, work with politics. I think it can be a great tool for activism and also just work for issues you care about in your community. Yeah, I'm learning how to do that. I get the idea that there are just some politicians who feel that they can't show emotion and they have to approach it as their job and not put emotion into it. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I mean, that is that could be true. Definitely. I think, though, well, my opinion is that when we have politics that works for the people, all of those things, love, unity, hope will will be in that. And that's that's what I'm going to continue working for with my activism. Isabel, it was so nice talking to you tonight. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. Bye. I enjoyed talking with Isabel about our shared identity as people who have autism. Isabel pinpointed one of the biggest reasons why representation matters, because the media impacts how we see the world and how we see ourselves. Isabel also knows that sometimes we need some time to take a little care of ourselves. We don't have to cut ourselves off from the world. In fact, Connection can be very important when we're struggling mentally. I also loved hearing about how she helped to get out the vote in the 2020 election. Many people might feel like voting is too important and might be emotionally challenging for them, but it's simpler than the hype makes it look, and your role in democracy doesn't have to end with voting. You can reach out to your elected representatives. You can volunteer with organizations in your community. Even making art has transformative potential. There are many ways for us all to get involved, 
in ways that can make an impact and are true to ourselves. If you'd like to recommend someone you know who is trying to make a difference to be on the show, or if you are someone trying to make a difference and you would like to be on the show, email us at generationchange at leofinelli.com. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at LF. That's at LF. Subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts and just share this with your friends and others. Generation Change with Leo Finelli is hosted by Leo Finelli, executive produced by Julie Finelli, and edited by Nick and Leo Finelli. Our original music was composed and performed by Leo Finelli. Thank you so much for listening.